This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor David Kogel. Well, we're continuing along in our Jonah series. So if you want to, they'll uh, put some of these scriptures on the screen or you can turn to Jonah. Chapter 2 this morning. And when we finished up chapter 1, I want to read those last three verses of chapter 1 because they will, they will, that will come into effect here as we continue on here to help us remember some things that the Lord is doing in this situation. So they got to that point where they took Jonah, took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea. And notice here that the sea ceased from her raging. So all of that storm that was going on, as soon as they cast Jonah overboard, the sea became calm. And then it says in verse 16, the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. So we talked about that too, how these men became really converts. They, they, they became known acquainted with the real God. So here they are, uh, fearing the Lord exceedingly and making a sacrifice to the Lord and, and, and also saying vows to the Lord. Things like, I'm going to serve you, Lord. I'm going to trust you, Lord. I know you're God. And, you know, all these vows they probably were making to him. So then we know as far as Jonah goes, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So all of those words there are very important words like the Lord prepared it. Where was Jonah at? He was inside of the belly of the whale. And how long was he in there? Three days, three nights. What was it like for him in there? We'll talk about it. Uh, we'll, we'll mention how some people feel happened to Jonah, why he was in there, so forth and so on. But this chapter two is a, is a prayer. It's the prayer from Jonah to the Lord over what has happened to him. So I want you to once again, Learn the lesson in these, in this book here. And the lesson today starts off with when I deserve him least and need him the most, God is always there for me. God is always there for me. You know, there are times in our life where we know that we don't deserve God's goodness. We, we don't deserve God's grace. And there are times when we're going through things, we need him more than anything. And we, sometimes we'll wonder, well, where is God? Is God going to show up? Is God going to move? Is God going to do something in my life? The thing is, he knows what we all are going through and his timing is different than our timing and he will provide and meet the need when it's time to do that. But we have to keep trusting in him. We have to keep depending upon him. General George Patton once said, I don't measure a man's success on how high he climbs, but what, 
how he bounces when he hits the bottom. You see, when things go wrong in our life, it's when we hit the bottom and we are crying out to God and he answers prayer, what are we going to do with that? Where are we going to go from there? And I think after we have read Jonah chapter 1, I think Jonah certainly would have been encouraged by those words. After all, I can't imagine that Jonah could fall any lower than he fell. We talked about that downward procession that he made in chapter 1, and now here he is in the belly of the whale and, and in a terrible place. How much lower can he fall? You know, when God called him to go and preach to Nineveh, he made, we talked about this too last time I talked, he made a decision, just like we all have to make a decision what we're going to do when God wants us to do something. <clears throat> So he decided to run. He decided to go the other direction. He decided to board that ship to Tarsus. Remember also I brought that out, how we can all board our ship going the wrong way, doing the wrong things. We can all get on that ship. But you see, God wasn't done with Jonah. Couldn't God have said, well, <laughs> so much for you, Jonah. That's it, buddy. I mean, you, you just had gone too far. And over the, over the rail he went, and he could have just let him drown, and that would have been the end of the story. But God wasn't done with him. And I believe as long as you and me are here on this earth, God's not done with any of us. There's always something else we can do for him. And we should be looking for that. We shouldn't just be walking around breathing oxygen, thinking, hey, you know, I'm eating I'm doing this, I'm working, I'm doing it, I, you know, I'm going through a day-to-day -day thing and that's it. No, we, we're serving the Lord. We're looking for opportunities to do things. So we find here that he actually provided salvation for Jonah instead of just letting him drown. He sends that great fish. And I think that there are times that all of us, maybe you're like that here this morning. You feel like you're drowning in, in, in things that are going on in your life. You hit rock bottom. And I, you can be sure of this. If you're not like that right now, at some point in your life, it will come around. Things will come around. And I can assure you there may be multiple times in your life where you feel like you're hitting the very bottom. But I'm so thankful that God is still there for us no matter what. So when you hit those bottoms, you're going to rightly feel many times like you're all alone, but you're never alone with the Lord. The good news is because of his great love, God is always there and he's willing to help us if we'll accept his help. But in order to do that, uh, he requires our cooperation. He's, he, God never forces his way on us. You know, when it, when it came to your salvation, you, you should never have been forced to be saved. The Holy Spirit convicted our hearts, whether it was through a song, a message, a person, the word being uh, shared with us. It could have been a number of things, but you felt convicted in your heart and you had to accept the Lord. You had to do that on your own and have that personal relationship with him. So 
In this chapter two, we're going to see how God doesn't give up on Jonah, but he continues to pursue Jonah. Even though Jonah decided, I'm going to reject him. I'm going to choose my own way. And really, when I read chapter one, it's almost like Jonah giving up on God. But God had not given up on him. Now, let's look at chapter two in that prayer. Chapter two, verse one. Notice right away. Then Jonah did what? Prayed. He prayed to who? Unto the Lord, his God. Where was he at? Out of the fish's belly. So we're, we're not getting his prayer down the road somewhere. But we're getting his prayer in the circumstance that he is in. And he and said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For well, thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed about me, all thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then said I, or then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward the, thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul, the depth closed me round about, the weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord, my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came unto thee and to thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving, and I will pay that that I have vowed salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. <clears throat> As I pointed out last time, it's easy to look at this book, view this book like it's a big fish story. But as important as this fish is in the story, it's not primarily about the fish. It's also easy to say, well, I know what it's about. It's about a reluctant prophet, and it is about him. But believe it or not, that's not the primary thing here. If we look at the book that even bears his name, it's only Jonah is secondary to it. What is the heart of the book here? The story about the love of God how he's willing to pursue us, even those who are far away from him and those who have given up on him. Why does he do that? Because he loves us very much. So we need to realize here, as we're looking at this book, let's think about that love. How great is that love? Well, many of you know the, the scripture of Romans 8. Let's look at Romans 8.35. This gives you the, uh, the vision of how great Jonah's love is. Romans 8.35. Yeah. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or peril, or sword? Look at verse 38. 
For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, and verse 39, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from what? The love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our love. That's a whole list of things there that you would think could separate us from God. Now, they can have an effect on us. They can knock us back. They can do some things like I talked about earlier, bring us to where we hit rock bottom, but still the love of God is still there for us. He still loves us no matter what. So we have to grab a hold of that and remember that. And as we look at the prayer of Jonah here, we need to remember that this is probably, chapter 2, just a snapshot of his prayer. I mean, I believe that the prayer was many other things. I believe it was things that were that uh, were desperate in there. But the prayer is actually in the form of a psalm. In fact, it borrows heavenly from, from a, a number of psalms. But I have a hard time believing here as eloquent as these words are in chapter 2. When Jonah's thrown overboard and he's fighting for his life, now, I don't believe he had an eloquent prayer going on. I believe most of it was like, Lord, please help me. Help, help, help me. Get me out of this situation that I am in. And then he's going to, you know, start to say things that he can promise the Lord and he's going to do and he's going to, he's going to change and those things start to come out as well. And even once Jonah swallowed by the fish, it's not like he's in a pleasant situation here, by no means. So what we have here is likely what Jonah, uh, Jonah wrote later. He, he's probably, now, no doubt he cried out to the Lord while he's there. But when he got out, he's probably, he's probably pinning these things down. This, this, you know, I remember this is how I felt and this is how I prayed and this is what I, I wanted to say here. And so as I read his prayer, I'm not totally convinced that Jonah is repenting completely here. Uh, to me, the prayer kind of seems self-centered. If you, if you read through it again and go through it in your Bible and mark all the times that you see these first-person pronouns of I, me, my, that's the things that he kept saying. And although Jonah does say that he remembered the Lord, he acknowledged that salvation belongs to the Lord. Is, is all of that really an admission to, of repentance of what he's done? You know, when I'm, when I think of a repentant prayer, I always think of David's prayer. Let's look at David's prayer. Look, let's look at the difference of Psalm 51. Here, David, of course, had committed adultery and also murder. And then realizing that he had failed the Lord so miserably, his prayer of repentance, now look at this, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. 
Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mayest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, Thou desirest truth in my inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy with gladness, and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blotted all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. You see, I pause here for just a minute. Wouldn't that have been great if I'd have heard... Jonah say, then will I go preach to them Ninevites like you wanted me to from the first place. I'm going to be sure and get over there and do that. <laughs> He's not saying none of that. Then will I teach, <clears throat> deliver me, that's okay, deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou desirest not in burnt offering. <clears throat> the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure. Unto Zion build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifice of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shalt thou offer bullocks upon thy altar. You see the difference in his repentant prayer? It's thy, thy, thy Lord. Lord, you're the one that I'm, I need to come to. You're the one that I need to ask forgiveness. You're the one that's great. You're the one that's going to do the changing in my life. You're the one that's going to do everything. So what a difference in a repentance prayer of Jonah and David here. So I think that as I, I think about that, it's an imperfect prayer from Jonah. But listen, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not against him for that. And I'm not trying to come again wrong because listen, I know I do imperfect prayers too. I know I don't pray always like I should pray and how I should pray. You don't, I don't. But the great thing about this is it goes to a perfect God. And he knows what we mean. He knows what we're trying to say. In fact, one scripture says the Holy Spirit helps us pray even when we don't know how to pray. So we need to realize he hears those prayers and he gives us what we need, not what we want. Philippians 4.19, you know the verse, my God shall supply all your what? Your need according to his riches and glory. So the main idea that I want us to take away from this passage is once again, 
When I desire him the least, I need him the most, God is always there for me. And I think you have to agree with me on that, especially after after realizing what Jonah did. He rejected God in chapter 1. He didn't deserve God to save him. He didn't deserve God to do anything else good with him. But Jonah really didn't deserve God's presence at all. So the thing is, when he was thrown overboard, God said, no, you're not going to drown. It's not the end of your life. But I'm here for you. So we, we can agree that God was there for Jonah, even though Jonah probably would have preferred that God rescued him another way. You ever seen God working something in your life and after you went through it, you thought, well, man, I wish, I wish God would have taught me that lesson a different way. I wished I hadn't had to go through that. I wish I hadn't had to deal with that. But God chose to teach you that lesson that way that, that he wanted to. I mean, you think about Jonah, uh, as he was thrown overboard, you remember what I said as we, went back to chapter 1, when he was thrown in the water, the, the storm ceased. Well, now that cleared everything up. Couldn't, it, couldn't the sailors just thrown him one of those rings over there with the rope and say, hang on, Jonah. Throw him a board over there and say, hey, here's a board you can float on. Uh, couldn't they have done that? <laughs> you know, have you ever watched TV and see those gigantic sea turtles? Wouldn't that have been easy for the Lord to bring one of them by and let Jonah kind of just get up on that thing and let him ride onto the shore? I've been much more pleasant than being swallowed by a whale. But God didn't choose to do it that way. So there are times when, when we hit rock bottom and we're thinking, well, God rescue me, but please do it this way. <laughs> well, God's going to do it the way that he knows best to do it. And he sends, it says he prepared this fish. It was right there at the very moment that he hit the water so that Jonah wouldn't sink on down to the bottom. And he swallows Jonah and he actually saves Jonah. <clears throat> so the account here isn't totally clear, but it appears that this prayer that's recorded here in chapter 2, Jonah's thanking God from this very uncomfortable safety of the belly of the whale. Remember what one of the words he said in chapter 2? He said, I cry to you out of hell. That's what it seemed like to him. So the prayer reaccounts how God had already intervened. So no doubt of where he's at. No doubt that what's happened to him. And if you do any of the study at all in the chapter, uh, on this chapter in Jonah, you're going to find out there's a lot of discussion and argument whether Jonah actually stayed alive inside that belly of the whale for three days and three nights. Did he die and then resuscitated? Did he come back to life by God? As they spit him out, you know, what happened here? 
And it really is something I'm not going to argue about, and it doesn't really add up to what we need to figure out what happened to him. The thing is this, he was swallowed, and I believe it because it's in the Word of God. He was in there for three days and three nights, and whatever condition he was in, and he cried out to the Lord, and yet he's still going to be alive. So either way, God did something miraculously to save Jonah when he could not, Jonah couldn't save himself. And that's what we need to understand. But at the same time, I want you to take advantage of God being there for you and for me. We don't deserve him to always be there, but he's always there. And I know some people feel like, well, God, I know you're there, and they don't pray to him until they really got something going on in their life. They've really hit rock bottom. I mean, it's really got bad. Then then we'll find them crying out to God. Well, I want to be on that conversation with God all the time. I want to be talking to him all the time, not just when things are bad. But I want to continue to have that relationship with him. And that's what we should do as Christians. So we find here, as we get back to chapter 2 here, and they're going to put up one of the one of the phrases I had here, how to let God be there for me. Let God be there for me. How are we to do that? Cry out to God even if I don't feel like it. You know, if we go by our feelings, that'll mess you up. Really, a lot of times in life. How many days do you get wake up every day feeling wonderful, feeling great? Your feet hit the floor and you're saying, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. What a wonderful day it's going to be. Not every day is like that. But we need to cry out to God even if I don't feel like it. So look at Jonah chapter 2 and verse number 2 again. It said, he cried out and said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Now, it's hard for us to really think about what Jonah was thinking in, about himself. Now, he, he knows he's disobeyed God. He knows he's in this predicament and it's his fault. He knows that. He knows what he did wrong. He's realizing what God is, how God's intervening in this situation. And yet he probably doesn't feel like this is the time for me to pray, but yet he, he did that. And we need to realize if we go by feelings, sometimes we don't feel like reading God's word. We don't feel like praying to the Lord. But we need to realize that he's there for us and we shouldn't go by our feelings. Go by your need. You need to talk to the Lord. You need to read his word. It's what keeps us going every day. There are definitely a lot of things we could criticize Jonah for. But I, I got to say, he got this one thing right. He cried out to God. Cry out to God, even if I don't feel like it. Remember that. 
No doubt there are a lot of things that go wrong in this situation. But Jonah realized this, I better cry out to God. Our natural tendency is run when we are running from God and doing things our own way. Did you know our natural tendency many times is to pray less to God? Rather than go right straight to Him for what we need? Why is that? Well, we're dealing with ourselves. We're realizing we're in a predicament because we, we hadn't done what we should have done for the Lord. We messed up. Maybe God doesn't even want to know. He talked to me now. And that's where we get it all wrong. He, he does want us to acknowledge Him. He does want us to cry out to Him when we're going through things in our life. Let's look at 1 Timothy 2.8. This scripture here talks about, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands, and look at this, without wrath and doubting. You see, we can get mad about things. We can get mad with ourselves, mad with people around us, to a point we're not talking to the Lord about it. It says do it without wrath and then do it without, without doubting. That Don't doubt that God can't move and God can change things. God can do something in your life. So it's very important that we always pray. When you think about it, that's the only real place to turn to is God. So we see back in chapter 1, we saw the sailors. You remember when they... And they confronted Jonah and they say, they said, Jonah, because he told them, he said, yeah, I'm a, I'm a prophet from God. I serve Jehovah. And they said, Jonah, you need, you need to call out to your God then. And there is nothing in that chapter that indicates that Jonah said, okay, y'all fellas, just wait a minute here. I'm, we're going to, I'm going to pray. You don't see that anywhere Well, he did that. I think he was too embarrassed. I think he knew that he was, he had messed up big time. He was afraid to pray. The storm that they're facing, he knows it's because of him. He knows everything that's going on is his, is his result of his running from God. And I'm going to talk about in a minute, I'm going to talk about how Jonah understood that he was in the predicament he was in because of his disobedience. And I'm pretty sure that all of us have been in a position at one time or another in our life and we have to stop and realize, you know what? I know that I'm going through this because I'm not serving the Lord like I should. I'm not giving to the Lord and yet I'm expecting Him to bless me. I'm not talking to the Lord, and yet I expect to Him to talk to me. I don't know what to do, and yet I'm not reading His Word. We, we can all go back to those things and look at our life and realize we are in the predicament many times because we have got that on ourselves and how we're living our life. Perhaps one of the reasons that we're reluctant to cry to God when we're in these situations, is we feel like we really don't deserve God's goodness 
and we deserve to be in this mess. I've heard people say that. You know what? I know I'm in this mess I'm in, and I deserve to be in there because of what I've done. I know that. And I'm not going to pray to God to get me out of it. Well, how are you going to get out of it then? How are you going to get it straight? God's in the business of straightening up things. He's in the business. If you will confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what he's in the business to do. And I can't get that from anything else or anyone else. So it's a powerful reminder that when God disciplines us, his ultimate purpose behind it is to restore us back to fellowship with him. He doesn't want us to be away from him. He wants us to draw near to God. I will draw near to you. We have got to draw near to him. We have got to keep that relationship restored there. Hebrews chapter 12. Let's look at verse 6 through 8. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Jesus, God, deals with us in chastisement because he loves us. He loves us enough to let us keep going down that wrong direction. Keep making that bad decision. He loves us, and I'm so thankful for that. Is it pleasant that he chastises me? No. Do you love to chastise your children and grandchildren? Yeah, it's even harder to do grandchildren, isn't it? (laughs) But if they're doing something wrong, and they need correcting, and that, that thing is going to hurt them with their, their headed. It's going to, it's not going to help them. It's going to affect their life. Then I'm going to have to say something to be able to try to get them back on the right path. And they're not going to like it, <laughs> but I do it because I love them. And you know that you want the best for your children and grandchildren. Do you think that God is any different? He wants the best for his children. And man, we can get out of line. We can get messed up. We can get hung up on something that we have no business in. And God's sitting there, my, 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 here we go again. Well, I'll have to get them back in line again. That's that chastisement that we have to have. So, Verse, in this, in this verse two where he's crying out by mine affliction and the Lord heard me out of the belly of hell and I cried, cried I and thou heardest my voice. It's like, it's, this is an example of Hebrew poetry. Hebrew poetry is different than the poetry we're familiar with. We read poetry and usually it has rhyming words at the end of each line. Hebrew poetry has rhyming thoughts instead of words. The two parallel statements, they express the same thoughts, even though they may be different words. So in the first line of this poem, Jonah called out to God and God answered. The second line, he cries to God and God hears him. You see how that works with that? So we need to get that. 
When we cry out to God, guess what? He hears us. So one of the overall purposes of this book of Jonah that we haven't talked about, and this, this is something maybe you never thought about before, is that this was actually done to bring shame to the nation of Israel. You remember the calling, Jonah? I want you to go down and preach to those wicked Ninevites so that they'll repent and they'll come and call to me. Now, that's the last thing that Jonah wanted to do. But what's going on with the nation of Israel? The nation of Israel, just like so many times before, had turned their back on God, and they they had strayed away from God. So what did God do? Okay. Okay, y'all don't want to come call on me. You don't want to serve me. You don't want to do right. Then I'm going to turn over here to these Ninevites because they're going to listen. They're going to hear. And they're going to turn to me. So it was meant to help the Israelites understand just how far they had strayed from God. So this part of Jonah's prayer is also an encouragement to our own, to us as well, no matter how far we are from God. We can cry to him. He's ready to hear. Jeremiah 33.3, you all probably know that voice, that word. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. But it has to come as a call from us. Are we going to call out to him? All right. Number two here is look for God's hand. Look for God's hand of work. Look at verse 3. For thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves have passed over me. Jonah is also to be commended here because in this verse 3, even though it was the sailors who tossed him overboard, Jonah recognizes that it was God who caused him to be down in the deep. It was God who was sovereign over the wind, the waves that threatened to kill him and all those on board. And Jonah said, the only way you're going to be saved is cast me over. He's realizing all of that. So he's saying, why should these sailors suffer here? Why should they lose their life because of me? You need to get rid of the problem. You need to get me out of this boat. And so that's what they did. Now, it's important to remember once again that not all suffering, not all difficulty in our lives is a result of God's discipline. We're going to go through things. It doesn't mean that you're living wrong, doing wrong, because you went through something all the time. Sometimes we suffer just because we live in a sinful world. There's chaos all around us. Sin is rampant. The devil's having his way. He's the prince of the power of the air. He's out here doing the things that he's doing. Sometimes we suffer just because of that. And sometimes we suffer just so God can be glorified. Let me show you the example, and we'll have to finish with this verse, John chapter 9. And Jesus was going along here with the disciples, and it says he passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. 
And now his disciples ask him this question. Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now look what Jesus said. Neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. You see that? Sometimes we are going to go through things in life just so God can work in our life and show other people when we come through that situation that God is still God. That's why we ought to give Him praise, give Him thanksgiving when He meets the need in our life. Whether it's financial, physical, mental, spiritual, I don't care. Whatever we have been going through and you know that it's not because of something that you're doing wrong. You know that you're trying your best to live a Christian life and stay close to the Lord, and yet this still has come upon you. Then what are we to do? Keep looking up to Him. Now what are people going to do? They're going to look at you and point you and say, well, I thought you was a Christian. I thought that you went to church every Sunday. I thought you was serving the Lord supposedly. Now why is this happening to you? And all we can say is, well, I don't know why it's happening to me, but I'm still serving the Lord, and I know the Lord's going to answer prayer. And then when he does, you can go back to that person and say, hey, guess what God did in my life? So we know that if we've disobeyed God, yes, he may be chastising us. Maybe it's just something because of the sin and chaos in this world that we're going through but maybe it's so that God can be glorified. Jonah delayed. He disobeyed. And we talked about that last time. We, we need to consider the possibility that God is using difficulties in our life to discipline us sometimes. But we ought to be thankful when God does that. It's because he loves his children. We've already seen that in Hebrews 12. God only disciplines those who are his own children. And that discipline might be painful at sometimes, but it reminds us of his love. So <clears throat> when I get in that position where one of these things are happening in my life, what is the best way to handle it? Ask for God's discernment. Go to your prayer time and say, Lord, I don't know what you're trying to show me. I don't know exactly why I'm going through this. Maybe I do know if I'm sinning, I'm doing wrong. But maybe I don't know if I'm trying to live right. So Lord, show me what you're trying to do in my life and learn from that lesson and he will teach us. So that we're going to have to stop here this morning, but <clears throat> praise the Lord for Jonah's prayer. It's a good example of us of what we can do. You listen to Pastor David Kogel. For more information, Visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.